podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. I'm Paul Doolan and I'm joined today by Dave Watson. Hello, Dave. Hello, Paul. How are you, mate? I'm good, but as regular listeners will know, this is our first official pod since the loss of Fergus Craig, who is now... He's now Canada's Fergus Craig. I think it's only right that we we mark him not being here with a brief 10-minute silence. There. <laughs> you came, you didn't I, I was wondering how long <laughs> you could hold out for. A real like, lack I've, of commitment there. I've got I've got chicken here that I can pick out. I, I was good for I was good for 10 minutes, mate. I really oh. was. <laughs> oh man. How have you been? I'm not too bad. How are you? Um, bit of a weekend. Mm-hmm. Just met the uh, the sister-in-law's new boyfriend. What a prick. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it sounded at first like you were going, Ooh, he's hot. No, no, not even that. He's, oh, he, he's just, wow. I mean, yeah. chances are he's going to listen to the natter. Oh, yeah, probably. But, it's the most um, downloaded podcast in the UK at the moment. <laughs> he, um, oh, he's just one of these people that, like, if, if you've been to Tenerife, he's been to Eleven uh, you know, yeah. uh And uh, we were in a pretty nice restaurant, and he was um, he was telling the waiter whose job it is to tell you what wines you should have with the meal. He was telling him like where the grapes were from and what kind of wine that <laughs> oh, that would God. make. And then he like did the whole like getting his nose into the glass, having a good sniff of that, and then swilling it around his mouth, and then doing the <laughs> over the top of it. It was the most annoying thing oh. I've ever had. And uh, turns out he might be having it for Christmas. That'll be fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave. Yeah. yeah, so I might be I might be coming down to London to get away from him over Christmas. Just on the streets, I don't care. It'll yeah. be <laughs> better. But yeah, it was it was a bit, it's just a bit of shit, really. Just was shit. it shitter than Southampton nil, Newcastle United nil? No, <laughs> I, no, I can't say it was because, god damn, that was. It's the, the, the performance it reminded me of was Cardiff. Yeah, I mean, there's. Let's be honest. There's not a lot to say about the actual game itself, is there? No. Some was, of, um, I think, performances of note. Kennedy looked as bad as he has this season. Perez needs needs to have someone else who can play number 10 to just give him a rest. Yeah. Apart from and that. Muto didn't really do anything. I we, thought Muto looked okay, but I think that's just because my expectations of him are so low. But he mm. was at least busy. The problem was, yeah. we were... We were doing that usual thing. We defend in the least count, no, the most counterintuitive way for the strikers we have. So when we have Hosselu, we never sort of lump it up front or play crosses in. We've got two tiny midgets. We just hoof it out the back and the ball comes flying back every time. But talking about the defence, one thing that we can take from the game is we have. Played an absolute blinder getting Martin Dubravka for the four yeah. million. He was he was incredible. Um, I think 
I think it's it's a it's a damn shame that the defence do their job pretty well. To be honest, that defensive unit is pretty solid at the back. Um, on in most games, and Dubravka yeah. is somewhat special, but the we just have nothing up front. Yeah, it's getting to the point now where you just think, well, it's an odd one because against Man U and against Brighton, we created plenty of chances. Mm. But it's just we seem to do well enough in every game to not win. Like whatever the the exact levels needed to not get three points, we're able to just hit that. Yeah. Which is what you want. If you're aiming for relegation, that's what you really <laughs> have to try and nail. <laughs> to be fair, we do it's an odd one, because I actually like Twitter after the game was insane. It was, no, yeah. You kind of thought that's us relegated then, that was the last day of the season. We went up a place in the league. We got a clean sheet and a point away from home at Southampton where we're normally terrible. The performance yeah. was awful, but I mean, there's plenty of away games last season even where we'd have lost that probably 1-0. Yeah. yeah, We've not, yeah. I wouldn't say we would looked like we'd improved in any way, but it's we're closer to safety, if you want to call it safety at this time of the season. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. I, I do kind of I, like your your underlying point, which is that let's not panic. It's too early to panic. I get it. I I, I agree with you. My concern is that looking at the looking at the rest of the season, if you discount the the other games against the top six sides, it, it only you know it leaves about twenty. What, 24 games, 20, 23, 24 games against the rest of the Premier League where we've got to pick up 35 points? Do we, though? This is, I think, if you look at it, this season looks like such an anomaly. The, the top six are just battering everybody that comes near them. And the mm. bottom six between them have got 30 points. Last season, they had 45 I think you can sort of take 10 games as a bit of an indicator. So it's two-thirds the the points total. And if that carries on to the end of the season, then you're looking at, if you think normally, what, 36, 38 points for survival, Mm -hmm. that comes down to 24, 25. It won't be that low. Teams teams will go on a run. I think 10 games is enough to say it could be like that. They're not going to suddenly start battering everyone no you you wouldn't expect them to start battering everybody but you'd look at like looking at the the table now you've got a five point gap between 13th and 12th so you'd say even at this early stage you'd expect the teams that are you know from Leicester up uh are probably going to be okay because they've got 28 games to to play um against a variety you know uh, obviously the a variety of teams in the in the top half uh, in the in the Premier League, rather, you'd fancy them to get the to to safety already. That those other than that, so thirteenth down, there's only five points difference between twentieth and thirteenth. So to back up your point that we're not cut adrift, we have moved up one position, and I think the key for us is the goal difference. Oh, we're losing you there, Dave. Hello, hello, David. I'm still here. Hey, still got me. yeah, got you back now. The goal difference. Yeah, on goal difference, like 
if you look at goal difference alone, we're, we're about 15th in the table on goal difference, 14th, 15th. And I think that's, it seems to be the case that nine out of ten, nine out of ten times, the sides that go down are the sides with the worst defence. They might have a, a decent attack, um, like Fulham, for example. But Fulham, Fulham have got a minus seventeen goal difference after ten games. They've been battered in a few games. And yeah, the worry with Fulham is they might get a decent manager in. But I think you look at the table now: Huddersfield, Cardiff, and probably Fulham are in the same boat as us. They're not going to get another 33 points or whatever it would usually mm. take. They're not suddenly going to make up that gulf. There is, I think there's such a divide now between the top yeah. and bottom halves of the league that I do think it's going to be probably the lowest points total needed for survival. Or at least the first 10 games are backing that up. Yeah, and I, I would say that you were right when you, you, you picked out Fulham and said that if they get the right manager... Uh, in to replace um, Chikanovic, the, they could, you know, they're scoring goals, so they could move up the, the, the league. But we've seen it a load of times where uh, a more cavalier attacking manager is replaced by somebody who's got a reputation for playing uh, more steadfast at the back. And what actually happens is that the the attacking flair is diminished, but the defence doesn't improve at the same rate. Because you you think about what what's what's attack based on? It's based on. This is a very um, philosophical <laughs> term for the. What is attack? But, well, an attack is is uh, creativity and confidence and um, freedom. Uh, Have you got like a mind ma- map there with just different words? Really? <laughs> yeah. Whereas defence is the the one word that you hear used time and time again is. Um, the word I can't think of right now. Organisation, that's the word. Organisation, organisation. I'm going to level with you, Dave. Time. I have no idea what point you're trying to make. <laughs> so what I'm trying to make is when uh, when an attacking manager is replaced by a defensive manager, yes. the organisation that is required to be a good defensive unit takes longer to come into to force than than you'd see a quicker decline in the attack. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, uh, Jakanovic being replaced by somebody defensive could make Fulham a more defensively sound. I could see unit Sam Allardyce going there. Really? He's kind of the blueprint for what happens when a club with money panics that they might get relegated. They get him in, he'll start badly because, like you say, getting the organisation is the hardest bit. And then at mm. the end of the season, he'll do just enough to keep them up. Then they'll carry on playing like that and they'll realise they've still got all these attacking players. He's not getting enough. They'll sack him, get a more attack-minded player and then much more quickly have the upturn. I think, again, because of what you say, the attacking bit's not the hardest bit to coach. So when when you look at Fulham, yes, they they have the opportunity. But, as I say, it depends when the trigger's pulled on Jukanovic, if it is, and also who they bring in to, to replace him. Because if it is too much of a stark shift, yes, you'll see them get better, but it'll take too long. Whereas you look at like Cardiff and Huddersfield, for example, I don't think Wagner would be sacked by Huddersfield. No, I because... don't think another manager would necessarily do better with either of those teams yeah. either. No. Um, and then then it's, then it's teams like ourselves and Southampton and, you know, looking at, Crystal Palace, maybe. Yeah, Palace sort of look like they might just have enough. 
yeah, you'd expect so with the with the talent that they've got available. Yeah, you'd expect them to to get out of it. Ditto West Ham. So really, you're looking at Southampton, Cardiff, Fulham, Newcastle, and Sunderland, which are the current bottom five. Sunderland, Southampton, Cardiff, Fulham, Newcastle, and Huddersfield. Ah, uh, you definitely said Sunderland. I'm sure of it. Oh, you're obsessed, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look at Burnley. Burnley's the other side down there that I didn't mention, and they're just. I think once they get past that, uh, the dip in form because of the Europa League and because of how much last season took out of them, you'd expect them to to pick up. It'd be hard to beat and to to grind yeah. out one nil wins and stuff like that. I mean, they're. I know I don't, I'm not going to get into it too much because it's depressing reading for Newcastle fans. But the XG at the minute, the XG table, uh, Burnley. Are again as they were last season, really, you know, skewing that. They're bucking that trend. They're they're scoring more goals than they should, given their opportunities, and they're conceding far fewer than they should, given the opportunities they're giving up. So maybe they're the the outlier that you know the the exception that proves the XG rule. But the, I'd expect them to get to get to safety. Yeah, I still think. It doesn't look... I mean, there's a, a huge amount of doom going around at the moment. I still don't think yeah. there's necessarily not going to be three teams worse than us, but I think we're going to have to invest in January. Oh, 100%. Speaking of investment in January, I, I you know, I'll, transfer rumours are not to be relied upon at all, but there's talk of... Uh, yeah, they're a bit more upbeat than the current <laughs> shitstorm yeah, that the, the club is. Let's go, um, let's go off down transfer rumour. <laughs> Lame. So the the one name that I've heard um, mentioned, you know, just on the rumor mill is Miguel Almiron. He's going to solve all our problems. Who is he? Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, an attacking midfielder. Uh, he's playing for Atlanta in America. He's Paraguayan. Um, I think he's like twenty six, twenty seven years old or something like that. Um, when you're looking for someone to hit the ground running in the Premier League, you think Paraguayan MLS player. <laughs> Absolutely, but he's the kind of player that we've. Well, is he though? Because he's a central. <laughs> what were you about to say? Is he kind he's, of... He is the kind of player that we've been looking for in the. Ter- in, by that I mean he's a creative player. Yeah. Like if you look at the, the 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 stats for assists and key chances made and all the rest of it, he does score quite highly. Yes, it's in in the MLS and there's a huge difference. But so Bradley Wright does... Phillips scores heavily in the MLS. <laughs> <so> be careful. <laughs> But I don't know if he's uh, number 10, you know, a traditional number 10 that could cause Perez to look over his shoulder. Or is he a central attacking midfielder in the same vein as uh, John Joe Shelby? Or are we looking to change the system and be playing three in midfield uh, as a three midfield as a, as a central trio? I don't know. But it's it's an interesting player to look at, certainly. And, um I know it's a little ridiculous, but I've I've seen him on football manager lists. Oh God! In the, you know what I mean, though. He's one of those players that always turns up as a, oh, you know, go off and sign this guy because he's he's quite good and he's like Francis Jeffers. Yeah, exactly like Francis Jeffers. Exactly like Freddie Adu. Yeah. It could be bollocks, but I mean, football. We just never seem to sign players that we're linked with, though. It was like who was no. that striker in the summer player? Is it player yeah. or player? It's like we're definitely yeah. going to 
go in for him and break our transfer. If we're linked with a player, that's usually a sign we're not going to get them. Yeah, I was I was chatting to a, a Man City fan earlier, and and he was talking about um, he feels in a strange position because he doesn't think that Man City really need anywhere strengthened. Um, uh, and I said, oh blah blah blah, um, we're looking at this Miguel Amiron, and I said, but the, the the truth of it is that if he's valued by his club at twelve million quid, we'll go in with eight. Yeah, and. Even if they accept that, they'll accept another bid from another club and that other club will be offering 80 grand a week and we'll be offering 55. And even if I we just, get him, we won't get him at the start of the transfer window when we desperately need players because we, we dawdle and do it all at the last minute. And even if we get him at the beginning of the transfer window... He's not a fucking left back. He's not a goal scorer. Yeah. <laughs> like... While we're on that subject on <laughs> transfers and strikers, the we <clears throat> asked for any questions from listeners on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. Theo Penn says, "How much would the team improve if we brought in a forty-five million pound striker tomorrow?" I'm trying to think who is a forty-five million pound striker at the minute. What sort of levels that? Oh, I don't know because is that I below mean, Obama Yang sort of level? Yeah, yeah. Obama Yang and Lacazette would both go for like sixty um, these days because Premier League and all the rest of it. You'd have to look abroad. You'd have to look at a young striker for forty-five million. Yeah. God. Well, you look at how much Martial went for forty million quid for that kid, and that uh, was a little while at, ago again, I suppose. Yeah, and if you'd look at players like, well, obviously, I mean, we could say the word Mbappe, but he'd be, you know, he'd be over a hundred million, surely. Yeah, yeah. But you look at, um, I'm trying to think of a young striker. Giroud. Mm, I think, yeah, he'd be he'd be under forty five million quid. Yeah. Um, How much would the team improve if we brought him in? I think immeasurably. Yes, but we'd never yeah. sign him because of his age and because he cost around 45 million yeah if, if, it would cost yeah and well we are looking at, at strikers apparently in the french leagues that uh the german league i think um and they are you know they're they're scoring goals in those leagues but would a 45 million so to answer the question how much would we improve immeasurably because if you've got a goal scorer in your team of that caliber 45 million quid cal- caliber the players like Kennedy and Shelby and Richie have somebody to target, have, have the, the movement and they could put faith in him to put the ball away. Yeah, and you can takes... see with those three players specifically, they're sort of going through the motions a bit because they seem to know the movement's not going to be there ahead of them. If they cross it, no one's going to be getting on those balls. And it's just, yeah. if you keep doing something and there's no end result to it, your heart goes out of doing it. Yeah. I think also the, uh, to like finish the point is that a £45 million striker is not going to sign for Newcastle United this season. They're just not. Yeah. Like, there's, unless we also signed a £20 million winger and a £7 million uh left back that's a much better player than Paul Dummer and if you know what I mean like I could see he's get getting a, a 4.5 million pound striker <laughs> who We'd else have, have Stoke got on the books 
Oh, fucking hell. But we, we'd have to spend, spend close to 100 million quid to get a £45 million striker to to sign for us. Unless we went to the championship, but there wasn't really... I'm thinking, who's that Villa? He's not a striker, but Jack Grealish. Mm. Even he'd cost... He was quoted at like £50 million when Spurs wanted him. Yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't spend that much money on him anyway. No, but I think that's the only sort of... the type of player you'd attract to come to Newcastle at the minute if they're already in a league below. I think if you were playing in the French or the German leagues, you might come over to Newcastle at that for that opportunity just because of the signed, wage difference. I tell you, we could have signed a forty-five million pound striker in the summer if we'd if we'd had the money, you know, available to Benitez, and he was told, right, this is your budget. It's a hundred million quid. Go off and sign who you want. We're not going to put any restrictions on it. Go, you know, you you fill your boots, mate. Then we could have signed a forty-five million pound striker because Benitez could have sold them the project. Benitez yeah. could have said, "Look, I'm I'm signing you, but I've also got uh, this player in in mind. I've got this player in mind. I've got that player in mind. We finished tenth. It's all positivity. I'm staying around because I'm being backed. This is this is the future. But right now, Benitez isn't going to be here at the end of the season. It's I like a like... really depressing remake of Sliding Doors. <laughs> just going through the other end of. The closing doors, that's what we've yeah. got. Fucking depressing, mate. I told you it would be a sad one. A right, sad. let's move on to other Twitter questions then. We did yes. ask. We did say it doesn't have to be about football because that's just a shit show at the minute. Geordie Ash mm-hmm. says, with Halloween around the corner, I'd like to know if you believe in ghosts and if you've ever had a paranormal encounter. Dave. <laughs> no, I don't believe It's the big ghosts. question everyone in the Barclays Premier League is asking at the minute. <laughs> no, the, the closest I've ever had to a paranormal um, experience was I said something dramatic to an ex-girlfriend and there was a lightning strike just at that point. That was the only paranormal activity that I can think of. What did you but say that, that was dramatic? Oh, I think I called her a... There's been a murder! <laughs> <laughs> it's in the woods. No, I, I, think, I, I think I called her... I think I called her a cunt. Um, wow, like that, that is... I mean, that's obviously not ideal, but for that to then summon lightning, yeah. shit, part of her must have thought, well, maybe nature thinks I am a cunt. <laughs> well, she was, so... Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Have you ever did seen that, did a that, ghost? Have I ever summoned lightning by calling someone a cunt? <laughs> Only twice sure? that I can remember. <laughs> uh, I don't believe in ghosts, although... I'm trying to think where... It was somewhere in London I did once see this sort of weird figure slowly stumbling around. It was Palace away, Emmanuel Riviere, I don't know if you remember him. <laughs> sadly, uh, sadly, he was real. Sadly, no longer with us. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, you just reminded me about a thing that Charlie Hunter said on the on the Formerly pod. of this parish. <laughs> Formerly of this parish. Years ago, he described Cissé as a ghost. Oh, Yes. Yeah, I still don't know what he meant. No, no, and I don't think we should dig too deep (laughs) into the psyche of Charlie Hunter. No, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Just very quickly, I'll never forget. It it was um, Colatini had uh, fouled somebody in the box, (laughs) and Charlie Hunter was like, "But the the ref should just let it go. You know, just tell him off and let it go." It was like, 
but, but Charlie, it's a foul in the box. Yeah, well, it shouldn't be a penalty, though. But Charlie! <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, there's a logic you can't argue with. That is true. <laughs> it's a logic you cannot argue with. I did my best. Yeah. Okay, yeah. another Twitter question. NASA underscore KH1. So since it's the first Natter without Fergus, perhaps Fergus's best moments on the Natter or memorable Fergus quotes. I mean, I always like the end of pod meltdowns where his, his brain seemed to shut down. <laughs> I, I liked one where a Twitter user asked him if he was going to be on, um, I think it was like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here or something. Oh, right. And, and he, he deadpanned. Well, that's the dream. That was, <laughs> that, was, that was Fergus to a T. But yes, his his meltdowns uh, were. I think also, as well a lot of the stuff he did off mic, which you won't hear, like his jokes about women and the, the homosexual community and most religious creeds. I mean, they were, they were close to the bone, but they were funny. And occasionally we'd have a. There was sometimes it's normally a guy here that produces, but sometimes it would be a girl. I just remember Fergus would have his chuckle and make a tuck in his shirt and just little things like that I'll miss. Just, it was just a bit of banter. It was just fun. I mean, all the Me Too stuff that's happened, he doesn't do it anymore. No. But that's, that's what I'll think of when I think of Fergus. Would you also re- and his you also stink. Remember? Oh, yeah. Honest oh, to God, that man needs a, just a can of links, just yeah. something. But um, no, I was going to say, it did make me laugh when he... When Benitez was announced, he he did ask on the pod if if Benitez is a good coach. Well, I think it's it's not the craziest question. It fucking is. Um, yeah. No, we did have uh, oh someone else tweeted in with a a Fergus moment. What was it, Scott? Oh yeah, Sugar Wookie. So Scottish oh, yeah. Matt Ritchie is my favourite Fergus Craig moment. Why? Why? Oh, it's a fucking <laughs> jelly. No, I, I should point out to listeners: Fergus hasn't died as well. This isn't sort of. This isn't just sharing our memories. Yeah, he's gone to Canada, so in a way, that's that's a, a type of death. Well, now that Purgatory. he's got recreational marijuana, he'll uh, be dying in a different way. And if you know Fergus, you'll know. <laughs> he's effectively Afro man for the for our generation. <laughs> Fergus Craig is a cross between Richard Keys and Afro man. <laughs> the Afro hands. Yeah, beautifully yeah. done. Well done. We don't need that prick. Fair enough. Newcastle Natter is lubricated by Watney's Pale Ale. Watney's Pale Ale, the Newcastle Natter Beer of the Month. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Scafey, or at Chris84Lukey, says, Would even CM De Jong get in this team? If he was fit, <laughs> well, there's yeah. the big quit. There's big news on that. I feel so sorry for CM Dion. Can you talk us through what happened, Dave? Um, it, he so he's in the the Australian uh, the A League, and twenty twenty five minutes into his debut, 
goes off injured, match. <laughs> yeah, clutching his hamstring. It's never the little injuries with him. There's never. I don't think he's ever tried to run off an injury. It's always straight down. Poor bloke. But at the same time, if he was a horse, he would not still be alive. No, no, absolutely fucking not. The other big Newcastle question... Uh, Chris at Sugarwoogie asks, Red Dead Redemption 2, first impressions? Oh, I've not played it yet. It oh, looks looks amazing, though. It's very, very good. It is. I, I did find myself at 3am on Saturday, which was old 2am, so it wasn't as bad as it sounds, just playing poker with cowboys and thought, I need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't doing anyone any good. No. I've seen a lot of clips of uh, of... Cowboys being booted in the head by a horse. Uh, yes. That looks a lot of fun. And you can name your horse as well. Um, actually, which Newcastle player, past or present, should I name my horse after? Well, because you'll be early in the game, won't you? So there'll be a bit of a shit horse, won't it? <laughs> well, we've got plenty of options then. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's got to be Bramble. Or Cassapa. Bramble sounds too much like a real horse name. Well, that's why I chose it because he's not—he's both a donkey and it also sounds like quite a horsey name. Might call it Titus Bramble, just for. Oh, Titus! There you go, Titus the horse. <laughs> Let's Titus. say that too quickly in that sense. <laughs> sounds very wrong. Uh, Bedford Mag has asked: Will our fans? Well, there's a few. He always fits plenty of questions into one tweet. Never in these days when tweets are getting washed up on the shores and causing damage to birds. It's good to see so much going into one tweet and no waste. Will our fans ever be happy? We only ever seem to be happy when we were moaning about shite, owner, players, manager, pies, etc. When will we get a win? Will we get a win? How is Paul handling the CM injury news? I can answer the last one. Not well. <laughs> um, will, will our fans ever be happy? Yeah. i tell you when we'll be happy. About ten to three every Saturday because we'll convince ourselves that this time it'll be different. And when we do get our first win, which we will, we'll be delighted. And we'll be even happier when Ashley goes and yeah, we'll be fine. I genuinely I mean, even if we get relegated again and Benitez goes and we get we get some dickhead in to replace us, we'll still be happy because <laughs> just we'll some still have Saturday. Oh, it will be though, won't oh, it? It won't be. Yeah, will will when will we get the win? Saturday, I don't know. Well, I think <laughs> let's have a quick no. chat about our next two games. We've got Watford at home, and then Bournemouth also at home. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, um, and they are two worryingly informed teams. Well, yeah, but then I was reading Watford in the League and Cup have won their last five games against us. Yeah, I don't know, mate. <laughs> Sorry. I think, uh, <laughs> Sorry to bring it down with facts. <laughs> I think with with Watford, so to talk about form, the the, the good thing about form is it's not permanent. Yeah. Form changes. So we're in our best form of the season. One point from our last one game. I mean, you flip between almost nihilism and euphoria. It's it's exhausting. I think you have to if you support Newcastle, yeah. don't you? So I think that 
Um, these next two games are tough games, absolutely. Yeah. I think the difference between the two is Bournemouth won't take us lightly. Watford might. Um, they've got a good manager and they've got good players, but they are in a good run of form. We're in a terrible run of form. We don't look like scoring. We don't look like um, winning. So there may be an element of complacency there. With Bournemouth, they've had a great start of the season. Eddie Howe has got them playing good football. And I I just get the impression that he would say, he would tell the players that, look, we've got to win this game because when we come up against somebody much better, we might not be as fortunate. We might not get the, the, the run of the green. So this is the game that we have to win. This is like a must-win game kind of thing. Whereas... Watford players, I just maybe it's ignorance, but I just get the impression that they're more mercenary and so might not care as much as the Bournemouth players will. Fair enough. You might be right there. I sort of I flip between how I think either of these games will go. I think in a weird way, they might be better teams for us to play at home than, say, Brighton. I agree. Where Brighton just did what we normally do of sitting back and waiting to hit you on the counter. I think we'll definitely set up like Brighton did against us, against these yeah. two teams. The problem at the minute is we don't seem to have anything on the counter-attack. No. Like we had good situations against Southampton. We were just so slow and ponderous. Yeah. And you, you wonder why that is, because we, it's not like we had a, a lack of pace in the side. Because Kennedy's no. got pace, Yedlin's got pace, Perez... He's not blinding, but he can run. Muto's got a bit of pace. Why, when we so clearly were set up to counter, why were we so sluggish in getting the ball into the right areas to, to counter-attack? Could be that it was Southampton, the way they set up, the way that they defended, uh, the way that they were pressing us, um, forcing us into errors. It could be that, or it could just be that, for whatever reason, the players weren't obeying the instructions of Rafa Benitez. Who knows? Fucking knows. (laughs) One thing I'd quite like to see Jacob Murphy and possibly even Key play in, play a part in these games. Yeah, I think a bit, a bit more of a calm passer than Modi Arme, who isn't doing what he was doing defensively last season. So you sort of wonder what's the point in him being in the team if he's not bringing that side of his game. It's not like his silky passing is going to cover up for that deficiency. No. And if Murphy gets a, a run of games at left or right wing, um, you might get a bit more confidence. Uh, certainly you would say to both Richie and Kennedy that there is somebody here that that, that can take your starting place yeah. if you don't block your ideas. I, I mean, think Kennedy, Kennedy especially. Yeah, and Matt Ritchie last season, he felt kind of more vital to the team because of his set-piece delivery. But we, again, we've gone so far backwards on set pieces I've no idea why you kind of he's a lot more uh, expendable than he was before mm, yeah and for all the you know he look, always looks furious when the foul is given against him and he always looks disappointed to be substituted off like the the work that he puts on in the pitch might be he might be busy but he it's not doesn't seem intelligent use of energy yeah which, I mean, it's hard. It's hard criticizing someone like Matt Ritchie because he clearly does care and he clearly is working hard. If you insult Matt Ritchie, you're insulting the whole of Scotland. 
<laughs> He's their favourite son. <laughs> I can take the lives, but I can't take the piss. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, so no, I don't. I don't know what I. I don't know what the answers are. But then, I, I shouldn't have to know what the answers are. That no. should be up to Benitez. And I, I think Matt Richards. So well, he last two seasons, sort of around now up until Christmas, maybe after that even, he does tend to go missing. Yeah, he'll have a run of about eight or ten games. Again, the problem is we've not really got anyone knocking on the door. You think as bad as our first eleven was at the weekend, not one of those players has a sort of ready-made replacement. Knocking not on really. The door. Maybe sort of uh, key for Diame. That's the only one really where you think if they don't perform very well, this guy could be in. Could slot in, yeah. And I suppose you could, you could. Well, one one thing is like Rondon should be back to full fitness this. This coming Saturday, so we might we might see a shake up. You know, we might see Key, we might see Perez dropped and Muto played yeah. either alongside Rondon or behind him, or out wide instead of Kennedy and Perez re- retaining his spot in the centre. We have got different options, but it's just like you say, there isn't like I don't know, there, there isn't like Dwight Gale who can who can make. Rondon fear for his place because Rondon knows that when he's fit, he's probably going to start because Muto hasn't exactly. Yeah. If Muto had come in, scored a couple of goals, and you know, even if we'd had the same result, if Muto had come in, scored a couple of goals, looked good, um, Rondon would know he's got to fight for place, but nobody's scoring goals. So Rondon must be on the bench thinking, well, that's my spot whenever I'm fit. I think in a way Rondon might be a victim of how bad our attacking lineup looks in that I don't think he'll necessarily start against Watford. I think mm. Rafa sees how crucial he is and he's still quite low on match fitness. Yeah, I think yeah. he'll probably get half an hour, forty minutes. Yeah. Again. Because be. if if we're gonna stay up, it's gonna be sort of a lot of it due to getting the best out of him. Yeah. Because well, it's not going to be any of our other strikers. <laughs> we have other strikers. <laughs> um, no, it's you're right. But it's going to be. Um, I think if we're going to stay up, it's got to be investment in January to shake things up and to to give us a bit more depth and a few more options. But but also, yeah, it's it's the key players that we've already got using those new recruits to to take their game on to the level that we need from them. So it yeah. is Rondon, it is Shelby, it is... I mean, Kennedy's Kennedy. done nothing, but he... Well, I mean, Jesus Against Man U, he looks good, but he's, he's not but hit that, the that's heights the worry, really. isn't it? Yeah. Because if, if he's good against Man U, but can't do it against Cardiff or Southampton, well, you know, no disrespect to them, but if he, if he can't do it against teams like that where the calibre of the opposition should mean that he could, you know, go past a couple of players. He can mm. beat him for pace and stuff. Then, Well, against Southampton last season, he scored twice as well. So he sort of... And the look, annoying thing is he has shown that he can do it against that level of team, which is always a worry with lone players and your sort of more flair players. He didn't seem yeah. to have that baggage, and now this season he does. It's almost, it's almost like he played for a move... You know, played for us, and he was playing for a move in the summer. Didn't get the move that he really wanted, so thought, "I'll just go back to that 
that club that yeah. looked after me for six months and you know I'm going to play every game and I'll show off when the big teams come to come to town and if I don't do that well then I'll still go back to Chelsea at the end of it so and no he's not no foul. he's not thinking if I play badly Christian Atsu is breathing down my neck <laughs> no <laughs> oh god it's so depressing yeah but we're not relegated yet there's still no, it's a long way to go and I, I and I do think that the the, the the takeaway has to be the teams like Cardiff, Huddersfield, Fulham, and Southampton, and yes, maybe even West Ham, Crystal Palace, and Burnley. They're not. We're not cut adrift. A couple of bad results for them, and a couple of good results for us, and suddenly the whole bottom end of that table can can move around. And as if we can keep it close, then our goal difference and the opposition's like I don't know uncertain future. It could play into our hands, and we could actually, you know, we could end up like fourteenth, and nobody would be staggered. Yeah, I think we need as good a January or better than we had last season. If you look at when we brought in Kennedy and Dubravka, it's the weird thing. You look at how. Like our squad was worse at the start of last season than it is now, but I guess actually the the problem is the rest of the league has strengthened so much more than we have. Yeah, that strengthening a little it, bit is going backwards. But then it, it's it's fascinating that the um, yes teams like West Ham have strengthened a lot. Uh, Huddersfield have spent a, a lot of money. Fulham have spent an absolute fortune, and yet they're still in the same shit pile that we are. So yeah. that's that's good for us because I mean, Jesus! If we had any other any other owner, well, we've kept our powder dry. So in January we can we could we could conceivably spend 120 million pounds and still not be you know and and still be comparable to these other teams who who spent in Jan in the summer. So we could go off and do that. It's just that Ashley won't do it. Yeah, that is the worry, but. We'll find out, and hopefully we're wrong. I mean, the problem is he's he's lied about pretty much everything else. So he's probably, I don't think he's had a road to Damascus moment and suddenly decided he's going to fund no. the club properly. So it's interesting that he's been to every game uh, since pretty much since like the um, the protests. The like, more more importantly, like, the digital action, like the the action in, on the on the internet and. Um, and bothering the investors and stuff. When that that started really to to kick off, um, he's been to every game, and it could just be him trying to say I'm I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. But in that action, he must see now that on the pitch we don't have the quality. You know, it's, yeah. it's not like it's not like we've got um, a manager who doesn't know doesn't know how to work with the tools that he's got, like McLaren, for example. This is a manager who who is doing the best he can. He's keeping it tight, and like you've said on a few occasions, he's made us good enough that we're only losing by a goal. Um, like we've got the tools, and we've sorry, we've got the manager. He just doesn't have the tools, so he actually now surely can't be blind to that. So if we don't do it in January, if we don't um, back Benitez properly in in January, then what is his end game? Like, yeah, well, again though, you, 
you're making the common mistake of assuming he thinks rationally. I can imagine him watching those games and thinking, this Spanish guy is supposed to be a decent manager. Why am I paying yeah. him six million a year? Get me yeah. curbishly. Yeah. Like get, either, get me. Both those outcomes are as likely as each other, which is, the, which is why he shouldn't be running a football club. Oh, he shouldn't be running a brothel. It would it would be cheap. <laughs> there, is the, there is that. Fuck yeah! It's just it's it's hard because like come and see Britain's giant zero hours brothel. <laughs> God, it all be bullet wounds and oh, uh, stretch marks and shit. No, God. it's not. Yeah, I, I painted a picture I don't want to see myself. Yeah. It's it's funny. So fund your local brothels, listeners. <laughs> yeah, go hipster. Get like an artisanal hall. <laughs> it's a pop-up brothel. <laughs> yeah, it actually used to be a warehouse, and they weren't really selling. And we just thought this could make a lovely brothel. And yeah, and all we had to do was change a few words on the top, and it's turned from a warehouse to a whorehouse. It's great. Yeah, we've got uh, Yola Tango playing coming here next week <laughs> to play the brothel. <laughs> Right, oh. I think. Quick prediction for the Wolves game and then... Watford game. Watford. No, the Wolves game. <laughs> when are we playing Wolves? It's a while, I don't know, it? but it'll be 2-0 the Wolves. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Watford at home. Oh, um... Fuck. 1-0 to them. Yeah, I think 2-0 to them. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> God, this is so depressing! <laughs> well, on that lovely note i think we should probably call it a day before we kill ourselves so thank you very much as always dave watson thanks paul and thank you to you the natter listeners thank you very much goodbye bye this is a playback media production to listen to all our football podcasts visit playbackmedia.co.uk the newcastle natter is back for the season by labrooks Sports Social Podcast Network.